What's up, party people? Thanks for downloading our podcast. You can check out more of our episodes at thisamericanhorrorstory.com or on iTunes. Hello and welcome to This American Horror Story Podcast, an unofficial podcast for the FX hit show American Horror Story. I'm your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Husted. Chris, say hi. What up? Welcome, everybody. Um, it is Halloween this evening, so what a Spooky. perfect night for American Horror Story. It is, well, it's at technically 12, 18 a.m. where I am, so it's a little bit past Halloween, but the horrors continue, and we are happy to discuss them here with you tonight. Chris, what are you drinking tonight? I, tonight I am drinking uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon. Excellent. Excellent. Just on the rocks there? On the rocks. What are you drinking, my friend? Bourbon and cider. That's my go-to for now. I'm almost out of bourbon, though, so I'm either going to have to pick some more up or go with something else next week. Are you still drinking Stay makers? tuned. Still finishing my makers. You but... fancy mother effer. It's you know what the show deserves it. The show deserves it, and that leads us right into oh well. It does. Actually, before we get into this episode, first of all, we just want to thank all of the, our uh, our listeners out there. We've gotten a really positive response so far, and we really appreciate everyone listening. Um, and we encourage you to continue to go and post your reviews on iTunes and let us know what you think. To like us on Facebook and you know look up our website and everything like that. Um, yeah, but we just want to say that we really appreciate all the feedback and uh, it definitely. Going to take it all into consideration going forward and try to keep putting out a good show for you. So thank you, everybody. You guys are great. We we love that you are also fans, like just like we are, just loving the show and you know enjoying it and talking about all the fun stuff about it. Absolutely. And um, I guess just want to remind you that if you ever have a comment or a question or whatever, you can always send us an email at this American Horror Story at gmail.com. or you can comment on our Facebook page, which is uh, this American Horror Story Podcast. Um, and we look forward to seeing those. Yeah, but without wanna, further, we, we want to bring you into the conversation. Absolutely, exactly. Um, but without further ado, we need to jump into this episode because there is a lot to talk about. A Holy lot to talk about. cow! <laughs> <sighs> this was action packed, people. Um, so let's start once again with our present day. Which, what the hell was going on? Can I? I'm just going to go ahead and preface by saying that. Um, so we return to present day. We are watching the scene in which Adam Levine is continually being stabbed again. Um, as his he was not dead yet. <laughs> he was not dead yet, apparently, which he must be superhuman at this point. Um, because Bloody Face sees the girl through the door, busts in, uh, basically tries to attack the girl just as Adam Levine jumps at her, through, like comes to her rescue, and it jumps on top of Bloody Face, knocking him to the floor. What we want, okay. I'm going to say bloody face in air quotations, which you can't see right now, because um, what ends up happening is that they tackle the bloody face, they stab him, they kill him, and uh, the two of them get up to run out, and what do you know, they run into the hall, and they're confronted by another bloody face, and on the other side of the hall, there's another bloody face, they're cornered by bloody faces, and one bloody face pulls out a gun and shoots them, and then that is the end of Adam Levine, I guess we've seen his... Uh, three episodes span and i've been waiting to make this joke the entire time adam levine is it not getting 
harder and harder to breathe. <laughs> sorry, I couldn't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I couldn't. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Too good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you saved that up for this episode because it is um, with that that I think we can officially bid adieu to Adam Levine as he was shot in the head along with his girlfriend. And then we see the two bloody faces pull off their masks and it's like some crazy teenagers or just like mischief makers. We don't really know what's going on, but basically it looks like there was just some guys in the abandoned asylum who are basically pulling a prank but then they ended up killing somebody like right uh, i i got the scream vibe out of that if you've ever if any of you've ever seen scream obviously you know that the killer well any a lot of slasher modern slasher movies yeah this, the the killer is always someone different but in screen in the scream movies it's always someone very significant so i'm, I'm curious if the, those people will be someone significant in the long run i don't know right well and then we think what's going on and they said oh well that was getting them back for killing our friend so apparently you find out that the bloody face they killed was another bloody face imposter and so we think oh, okay so that explains the time travel element well apparently not because all of a sudden the real bloody face comes busting through the hall and cut to commercial <laughs> so yeah, really confusing so now we have a whole new group of people being chased by a whole new bloody face which is this time the real bloody face i guess so we really didn't learn anything from that opening scene other than the fact that Adam Levine is, I'm pretty sure, dead this time. Uh, so, adios to him, <laughs> I guess. And we jump into the past. Starting with our dear sister Eunice, who I think we're pretty positive is possessed at this point in time. Eunice is cray-cray right now. So she is delivering mail to Sister Jude and drops a pile of mail on her desk and kind of starts walking away. And what is happens to be in this pile of mail? Well, a newspaper from 1949. Remember, it's like, what, 1964 right now? So Yes. Like 15 years ago. It's a newspaper, and in this newspaper from 1949 is a photo of a missing girl. Well, it happens to be the same missing girl that we learned last week. Sister Jude hit with a car when she was driving home drunk from the bar one night and just left to die. Um... And Sister Jude obviously asks, you know, Eunice where this came from, and Eunice says she, it was just in the mail, she doesn't know. Well, I think we can pretty, at least, I'm assuming at this point that Eunice is just pretty much fucking with everybody because she has a demon inside her, you know. And Eunice so, is a little, she's a conniving, manipulative little lady right now. I, I'm loving it, though. She's definitely, okay, the character's definitely become way more interesting since she's been possessed. I think we can yeah. agree about that. And good acting, too, to be able to go from that one extreme to the other. She's loving it. I can tell she's actually loving it. As the actress, probably she's loving it, but as a character, it's it's fun. I like that. Right, and so Sister Jude is, is quite clearly freaked out about this. Um... And so this is going to kind of be a theme throughout the episode. We kind of have a quick cut to Arden, who is dissecting that weird alien device that he pulled out of Kit's neck in episode one, um, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. But we just know that that little like Matrix weird aspect is coming back into the story a little bit. Um, but then we kind of uh, Sister Jude also is kind of having flashbacks again of hitting the child in, in the car. Um, this was a very centric uh, heavy centric Sister Jude episode really I mean I know we're going to go into a lot more stuff that happens to her but this this is kind of the intro into this is she she's one of the main uh, characters in this in this episode absolutely I think Dr. Arden said it best when later in the episode he says that she's coming apart of the seams and I think that is kind oh. of what we're starting to see which I was surprised it's happening this early on in the season so early I know it's crazy because I thought we were going to see her be 
uh, you know, intense for a while longer before they started to actually break her down. But it makes her more of a relatable character. It, it kind of really, conf- as a viewer, it really add, makes for conflicting feelings toward her, you know, because we're seeing her human side so quickly here. Right. If you think of what Jessica Lange played last season, she was calm, cool, and collected for most of the episode or most of the series. And then she kind of somewhat falls apart in the end, but not really. This one, she's falling apart so quickly. She's definitely getting rattled early on. And we kind of see that in the scene where the next thing we see is she is kneading bread um, in the kitchen. And she's kneading quite aggressively. And we see that that's kind of uh, taking out her frustrations. When Dr. Thredson walks in, um, they're talking about this huge storm that's coming. And he kind of goes into this spiel about, you know, how... They shouldn't be doing capital punishment and how positive reinforcement is the way to go and how that Sister Jude needs to have more compassion. And so Sister Jude kind of is venting at him a little bit because she's clearly still a little bit perturbed about this whole newspaper thing and says that she's a beacon of compassion and that she's staging a movie night where they are going to show um, this. Oh, I have the movie written down somewhere else here. It's the something of the cross. We'll talk about it later. Oh, yeah, where all the Christians die. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about this movie, but it, I kind of want to read up on it next for next episode. I wanna, I, it actually, seems... before we go there, I want to ask you, Tyler, this is getting a little uh, specific and abstract, but did you think there was any significance in the fact that uh, Sister Jude was kneading uh, bread or kneading dough? Was there anything interesting about that? I mean, I feel like filmmakers, they always have this reason behind what they do. But, you know, I was wondering about that too when I was watching it. I mean, it seemed like clearly it was a way to show that she was had inner turmoil and that she, that was one way for her to be um, letting it out. I don't know if... I was trying to figure out if there was some other connection. Did you have a theory about that? My, well, the only... Like, I agreed with that, that she was working something out, but I also thought maybe she was, you know, her whole thing is molding someone or, or trying to create something that uh, out of someone... Uh, that maybe they weren't like all the patients there. She she's trying to form these people. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent interpretation. Another thing I could think of is maybe. I mean, this is a little bit of a stretch, but you know, body of Christ made of crackers, bread oh, made of dough. That's so good. Maybe she's like, um, you know, it's it, as she fades back into her past. She's like slamming her current state. I don't. I don't know. That's just right. another, no, that's, that's just another like connection that. I'm making. Right. No, that that's smart. I I, I appreciate that, and I, I I think you might be right, but I don't want to hear what any film students would tell us. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my one. That's what, okay, I mean. That's a couple interpretations, but basically, what ends up happening is Threadson accuses, or he kind of hints that like maybe she is covering a guilty conscience or something like that, and she immediately thinks that maybe he's the one that is doing the newspaper, like that he's hinting at something, and he seems to have no idea what she's talking about. So we realize that she's super paranoid right now. Right. Jude is tripping is what I wrote down in my notes. Jude is tripping. Right. And so this is obviously something that only gets worse as the episode goes on, um, culminating with her drinking the wine and getting drunk. But anyway, oh my gosh. let's talk about that in a bit. Let's now go to Eunice in the common room. Crazy Eunice goes and turns the music off, which we know is a major sister Jude no-no, to right. announce that the storm is coming. Um, I wrote down that she was quite sassy in this scene. I wrote Eunice kind of, ballsy question mark. <laughs> and we kind of like they're clearly making you know trying to make it clear that this is not the same Eunice we've seen in past episodes. Right. Um, oh, and that's what I wrote. Okay, so the movie's called The Sign of the Cross. It's a Cecil B. DeMille movie. I kind of want to read up and see what more. But what's significant in this scene is that there is a 
Hispanic woman who is like basically sees the devil in Eunice and is like, you know, they have the subtitles and you see her saying, she says, go away, Satan. Right. She knows. So if it wasn't obvious that Sister Eunice was possessed before, uh, they're pretty much bashing us over the head with it. Um, We also see in this scene that Kit and Grace are going to possibly be planning a second escape during the movie, um, which is clearly escape is going to be another constant theme here. Um, so that's kind of the end of that scene. We jump to Jude, um, is talking to kind of the, on the security guard. She's having threats and followed basically, because once again, this is her showing paranoia. Um, and so the guard leaves and Eunice brings in wine to sister Jude, which is obviously we, we realize that sister Jude has had passed with wine that's what led her to get drunk and kill the child on her way home. So once again, it's as if Eunice is like hinting at things. But I think Jude, just because she knows historically that Eunice has been kind of a simpleton, doesn't for a second think that Eunice is responsible. Always thinks that someone else is behind it, right? Right. And so she notices that uh, Jude is wearing lipstick. Right. Well, this is like after she says like, oh, I think this is tainted or something like that. Why don't you try it? And and you and uh, Jude is like no no I'm I'm cool and and Eunice is like all right I'll try it boom down the yeah. chute exactly she's um showing a little bit more uh, willingness to not being non nun like I I don't know right. I mean well Jude just says like I do not imbibe girl get out of here. And uh, Eunice is like, all right, if you're not going to take this shot, I'm going to take this shot. Well, and that kind of like catches Like many Jude's... girls I knew in college. <laughs> <laughs> and so that kind of catches Jude's attention here. Totally. And, and I think that's when Jude notices the lipstick on Eunice. Exactly. And she says, well, you're not supposed to wear lipstick. Where'd you get this lipstick? And Eunice says, well, Dr. Arden gave it to me. He said it looks beautiful with my pale complexion. It's called Ravish Me Red. And oh, so I wrote down Ravish Me Red like left and right on this episode. Wow. <laughs> that should be the name of this episode. If it's not, then I will be surprised. <laughs> yeah. But so immediately Eunice's thoughts go to, oh, okay, Arden's behind this whole thing. Right? And so um, we kind of cut to a scene where Arden is showing Kit the alien bug and it has like basically dragged Kit in to do some more experiments on him. And uh mentioned something about thinking that Kit is like been is being used to infiltrate his lab and like it's not the first time his lab has tried to be infiltrated. He mentions the Stasi, the KGB, trying to infiltrate his lab. Um he at one point he blames the Jews. This is kind of the whole ambiguous thing where we're like not sure if he's a Nazi, what his background is. Clearly he has some weird scientific secrets to hide. Um, I don't know if we're hinting here that he's a former Nazi doctor or what, but it, I, it seems to be the case. I mean, what that guy is ridiculous, that? yeah. So that's kind of the the, the vibe we're getting. Um, cut to the Dude, have we, wait. Have we talked about Eunice killing the Spanish? Ki- the, this is what yeah, oh, exactly okay, what right. I'm just about to walk into. <laughs> that was crazy. So we have the Hispanic woman in her cell saying the Lord's prayer. Eunice enters. Um, the woman's freaking out, uh, calls Eunice Satan. Uh, Eunice tells her to get on her knees and, like, basically throws her to the ground. Um, Eunice starts speaking perfect Spanish. They start saying a prayer. All of a sudden, Eunice, like, jumps to her feet and shoves a pair of scissors into the woman's neck. And we see right. blood just go gushing out over the 
I thought it was out watching a Tarantino movie. That was, yeah, that was a surprise. It was quite over the top. Um, the woman falls to the ground. Eunice plunges the scissors then into her chest and decides that she's going to take the body and go dump it out for the raspers in the woods. Right. I, I, that's exactly what I wrote down. I was like, she kills this rando Spanish girl. Or, well, apparently what they call her is the Mexican woman, but I don't, you know, I don't know yeah. her. I don't know if she's Mexican or not. Yeah. All I know is she spoke Spanish. But, and then and then immediately after that, I was like, but she still goes and feeds the raspers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and maybe that's part of why she did it. I don't know, really. But clearly she has a, some weird fascination with the raspers because she kind of stays and, like, watches to right. see what's going on after that. And when and when she was pouring the... the, the uh, Hispanic woman's body parts out there. All I wrote down was brave. Like she was much braver than she was the last time she was out there when we saw her doing it for uh, uh, Dr. Arden's uh, 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 for Dr. Arden's will. She exactly. Was, yeah. Now she's doing it out of her own free will, and it kind of right. seems like she's getting. And she just out of it. stood there like a beast, just like, "What? You gonna come at me?" Yeah, she's definitely. Um, Different. Got something going on. And now we see her then uh, enter in to talk to Arden. And Arden is reading a book titled Stages of Mind Control, which... Oh, you, you noticed that. Well done. Uh, the beauty of DVR, you can pause and see what the title of the book they're reading is. <laughs> but, uh, so I obviously that lends a little bit of... I mean, we clearly know that he's already into being manipulative and controlling people. Right. Um... But Eunice enters, and they kind of talk about the Raspers. She says she's been feeding them, and she says she's worried about what they'll do in the winter. And he says, oh, I'm so proud of you for, for feeding them and everything like that. And he puts his hand on her leg. And yeah. then Eunice starts becomes dirty Eunice. Sluts it up. She uh, basically... It's Halloween, people. She pulls her hairpiece out, and she throws her hair around. And she jumps up on the desk, and she basically starts grabbing at his crutch and telling him to dive in. He's totally off. He's totally put off by this. Um, because clearly what he values in her is purity. This is clearly freaking him out a little bit. He slaps her, and then he kind of <laughs> runs out of the room, or basically he's he's like very perturbed by this. Right, left and right I wrote down uh purity for Dr. Arden. Purity, so, purity, purity. So interesting confrontation here. Eunice clearly uh I well, I was kinda hoping that Eunice would kill Arden, honestly, just because <laughs> he's been such a dick, but I guess I, he is he's clear, evil as hell. <laughs> yeah, and he is—he clearly had, plays a much more significant role uh, in this season than we initially realized, and so he will definitely continue on. During this, I wrote down though I, I don't—I I believe she says something along the lines of the power quote the power of sex, which is such a huge theme in every episode we've seen in this in this series is sex. Like, oh, absolutely. Sex is huge. I mean, we have a nymphomaniac, which we haven't gone to yet, but I know we will too. We'll go. But there. she, and she has talked about the power of sex even in the last episode. Right. That was, she brought that up. Sex too. is a huge theme of this, of this season. Absolutely. Um, and so that scene ends. We, we kind of switch to the common room again where the journalist Lana approaches Dr. Threadson and she wants him to, uh, send a message for her to Wendy, her her lover, um, because she wants to uh, basically get back in contact with her. She's I don't know if she's forgiven her. She she thinks it's all some big misunderstanding, whatever. Right. Regard, regardless if she betrayed her, which is I wrote down also, it's one of my other themes of this series is betrayal. But 
um yeah she regardless if she if that woman betrayed if her girlfriend betrayed her or not uh she she still wants to check in and see what's going on because she hasn't heard from her absolutely and i did i wrote down one line dr threadson you're my you're my last hope which i wow. felt was like a little bit of a, a star wars <laughs> some, some writer was like i'm gonna throw an old star wars line here I love it. I, uh, speaking of, on the lines of Lucas just getting bought up by Disney. <laughs> yeah, we talk about timely. Um, we jump to a scene then where Grace, the French girl who's a friend of Kit, is rolling out some, some dough. Um, for Obviously, as we mentioned before, the Asylum has this bakery business that makes them a ton of money, which was the original pretense that Lana used to get in and do a story. Right. Um, so we, this is constantly something we revisit is – is this playing with dough. And maybe this brings you into the whole kind of molding people. And the same thing with Dr. You know, stages of mind control. It's like about, you know, people changing, people morphing. You look at Eunice changing on the inside. You look at, you know, these possessed people. Uh, Obviously you have these raspers who are changing on the outside. I mean, it's a lot of, um, I think that that is a good theme that you kind of brought up before with the bread thing is it's like molding is kind of a whole theme. Like what makes a person, where where is what is a person's constant because that's something that we keep coming up with is like are they crazy are they not crazy what can we believe in and what defines that like like is it nurture or nature that i mean the whole that whole argument exactly very, very ryan Eunice. murphy <laughs> and can can you change that's i mean that's Eunice's big theme here, or sorry jude's big theme here is like is it possible to redeem yourself for your past wrongs right i mean everyone here clearly has a past and so Anyway, I just think that's interesting. But, okay, we have Grace Rolling Doe and Shelly the Nymphomaniac um, basically calls her out on the fact that they're going to escape at this at this movie night coming out and says she wants in. Um, and, and she mentions something. She says that uh, she wants to sneak out and go to Paris because in Paris, a woman's sexuality is celebrated just like the goddess Venus in, I love, in the U.S. I love this. I love this. It, I mean, that is so the argument for any progressive person in any era. You know, like... Well, well, fine. You don't like me here? Just let me go to Paris. Let me go to France. Let me go somewhere else where I'm actually normal and respected, and that's the norm. Oh, yeah. She she wants to – basically, she wants to live in some place where nymphomania is not seen as a condition that throws you into an asylum. Uh, although, I mean, let's be honest. We don't even really know that she's an actual nymphomaniac. It's just possible that she – has a lot of, I mean, clearly she's used sex as a tool and she's not ashamed of her sex. And I think, I mean, it's very she's, sex in the city, 1999. <laughs> I mean, really? she's not ashamed to use sex to make things happen, as we right. see later on. But I mean, um, I don't, she's just I don't ahead know. ahead of her time. Yeah, I don't know if even Nymphomaniac is fair to call her, but anyway. No, 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 so, I agree. I, I, as far as women go in history, that that is very much a modern version of what uh how people would view a uh today a modern woman right exactly so i mean like we we've said this with her before too this is kind of a recurring theme with a lot of the characters like they're Um, just ahead of their time they're ahead of the curve exactly so she's going to be in on the escape plan um we know now which is going to be coming up at the movie night now jude arden showdown 
Um, oh you know, boy, the storm is starting to roll in. It's getting really rainy. I love, yeah, I love that you're saying this. There's lightning striking left and right. It's so Halloween. I love it. Exactly. And Arden has said that he's going to camp out basically in the asylum in his office because he doesn't want to walk back to the house in the mess. And in case anything goes wrong, Jude bursts in and asks him about the lipstick and you know says, "Oh, you're trying to corrupt Sister Eunice." All this kind of stuff. And and he says he kind of gets you know frustrated about that and says, "I admired her purity. I never wanted to corrupt her." Um, he says, He's "I never such a I, dick. <laughs> I admired her purity. I never had any, even as a boy." So we're learning a little bit of insight into his right. his background. I don't know if we're learning that he's some kind of kid that would burn ants with a magnifying glass, or or what. I'm sure we'll learn more about his past coming up here. But purity, he's got a weird purity fetish, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um, but they have this fight over Sister Eunice. Jude blames Arden for it. Arden kind of blames Jude for it. Jude is paranoid and also blames him for the newspaper thing and says he's trying... Basically, she's viewing it again as someone trying to usurp her power. Um, and we find out that Eunice is kind of listening in to all of this uh, in the hallway. So she she's basically instigated this on purpose. She knows what she's stirring up. Um, and this is when Jude goes back to her office and the phone rings. She gets a phone call and at first there's no one there. But then a voice comes and it's a little girl's voice saying, Why did you leave me there? Why didn't you come and get me? I wrote and, down again, Jude is tripping. <laughs> and Jude, it's, yeah. So it's clearly the young girl. And not only that, but there's some broken eyeglasses on the table, which the girl was wearing eyeglasses when she ran over with the car. And so we're assuming these are the girl's eyeglasses. And the girl and Jude is really blue, freaking right? out here. Because you mentioned this before. She was wearing blue. Right. The girl in the blue that she ran over with, with her the car. Glasses. And is coming back to haunt her. Now, here, here's what I wrote. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's so spot on. Which, that's so which, spot on. If, which if I thought was kind of a was Jennifer Love Hewitt. You, <laughs> you just made your next teen thrasher. Or teen I'm thrasher. just waiting for a scene in which the little girl comes out from under a bed with a hook and a raincoat, and then we'll know. <laughs> then we'll know. <laughs> but yeah. this is really fucking up, Jude. She opens the bottle of wine that is by her and basically caves to her paranoia. True. It's Real drunk quick, and though, before, sloppy. Before we go into Jude being a drunk, I wrote down also, the actual quote was, you never ever bothered to get out of the car. You is never bothered. This, yeah, is yeah. what the little girl says in her dream or hallucination to Jude. Anyway. And then I wrote down after that, Jude is drinking? Question mark. And there was choir music playing. Choir music playing. Oh, yeah, we had some intense, like, gospel music. Well, not gospel music. Sorry, it was the <laughs> choir, choir music Very going on. music. And our camera angles clearly indicated that Jude was drunk as the camera right. started to get blurry and we started to get weird angles and stuff like, like that. Jude is falling apart. She's falling apart so soon. This is, like, episode four or something, and she's falling apart already. And we kind of cut this with Arden also freaking out a little bit. So they're kind of both... They're both coming Good apart. Point. It seems in this exactly scene. the the people um, that we immediately thought would be the evil per, the the evil uh, villains of this um, series are already falling apart so quickly. So it's you know you, 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 it's not necessarily that you feel bad for them. You, well, maybe you feel bad for Jude a little bit, but you're you're at least feeling something for these two villainous characters. Well, and this seems to kind of be a, a tradition with with American Horror Story too. Is like you you, you can't. I mean, no one seems to be the epitome of bad guy, really. I mean, even last season, you know, when you had Constance and you had Tate and stuff like that, they would go from being a bad guy to a good guy so quickly, one week to the next, knew. you know? 
Exactly. And so that seems to be a theme here, right. too. These people we, you know are bad, but they're just good enough. Well, at least not our, just not good our, enough. But yeah. That you're, you're, you you're kind of conflicted. We might feel bad. I mean, maybe we'll come to feel bad for Arden because he had some fucked up thing in his childhood. But for right. now, it's just he's just messed up. I don't know. He but, is messed up. <laughs> right. And so he's we cut to him. He's opening the lipstick um, and the oh radio is playing in the so background. Creepy. And here, this is something that could easily have gone unnoticed if you weren't paying close attention. And I'm not maybe tell me whether or not you caught this on the radio. It's it's a talk radio that they cut in and say. You know, there's a storm going on. There's been lightning strikes. We have folks saying that it's not lightning they're seeing outside, but a possible downed aircraft. Now, did you Whoa, hear that? Oh, I did not hear that. Good catch. Wow, good catch, Tyler. I had to go back and listen to that a second time. And I think this has to do with something that Jude sees later when she is searching the place. That, oh, I mean, my God. Well, but we'll talk, we'll talk about that coming up. But basically, that's, okay. that's what I heard. So I think... Holy They're shit. hinting at something so? there. And they think about Kit in the first episode. Um, the lights he sees coming down. And maybe that'll give you a little bit of a hint. I have goosebumps right now. I have goosebumps right now. <laughs> anyway, back to the so the common room movie. Now we have our creepy Cecil B. DeMille movie. Starting wait, wait which quote, uh, which which I, I did write down that Eunice says, uh, where, oh God, where is it? Fire, sex, and death of Christians. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Sounds just what we like want to a, play. Yeah, sounds like a blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder why they decided on this one for the uh, Catholic Asylum. Right. We but need that seems to be their movie of choice. Right. Jude is drunk as she's presenting the movie, so she's oh still kind of stumbling around. Um, she blows her whistle for entirely too long to get everyone's attention. She is basically um, like we are when we come home from the bars. <laughs> and this is our first chance to really see all the crazies here at once. In in the room together, we kind of see some characters we hadn't really seen before. It's not True. really as there's not as many people as I thought there were actually. Right. Um, I mean, it's probably a room of maybe thirty. I mean, so right. the asylum is not as crowded as maybe I would have thought. I mean, I clearly, I mean, maybe there weren't people that maybe not everyone was there. But um, Lord knows we're going to meet a lot of them though. Exactly, and so the lightning is scaring the patient. Sister Jude is doing the speech about how they shouldn't be afraid and how they can walk through, and the sun will shine the next day, and. And she's trying to get us sitting there with Lana, or Lana. Yeah, and it, it, right. And so Jude is giving this inspirational speech, and then all of a sudden she kind of has a breakdown as she talks about, like she starts mumbling about the dead girl. And so clearly we know this is getting to her. She needs to leave. She kind of stumbles out of the room. So even the crazies Jude, are getting uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so Jude needs to get out of there and basically go take a nap to to sleep pass out. out. Homegrown needs to pass out. Exactly. So, yeah, like you said, Thread's been sitting with Lana. So Lana asks him about if she contacted Wendy, which I don't know how long they were sitting there together. But it was quite a while for him to, like, not even mention, oh, your girlfriend might have been murdered by Bloody Face. Because he kind of, like, slowly slides into the story about how he went to her house and she wasn't there. And so he went in and he saw signs of a struggle throughout the house. There was a window open and some blood on the floor. And that these are signs of, of Bloody Face. And right. Lana does not seem, I feel like, nearly as disturbed by this as she should be. Not only that, but she also seems to quickly change her mind about Kit then and decide well, well, that he's she not looks Bloody at Face. Kit while he's telling her this story, and he, I think she realizes, or we, we look to see her realize that it can't be him then, maybe. Right, but like, Threadson doesn't even have any proof that that actually was what happened. And so I just felt like her, her opinion of him, considering that she was willing to go to the length to sacrifice her own escape last time to keep him in, she seemed to change her opinion awful quickly. Right, it was really quick. I, yeah, I agree. 
I agree. Too quick. But right. But anyway, so her opinion has changed, um, and we have a, basically an exodus of our main characters to the bathroom. Grace goes and tells the guard that she's having her period, so she needs to go to the bathroom right away. Kit also manages to slip out at this time, as well as Shelly the nympho. Um, and we also have Atlanta notice and say she has to go to the bathroom and slip out as well. So they all slip out at once. In the meantime, Jude is stumbling around these uh, hallways looking for the Mexican woman, who we know what happened to her. Um, notices that the, the cell is so empty. racist, but also I feel like strategically planted that, that they would all call her the Mexican, even though they probably don't know. Well, and I mean, this is about a time when ever clearly everything was so, you right. know, politically incorrect was not something they ever considered, or politically, political correctness was not something they ever took into consideration. Right. <laughs> um, so Jude was stumbling around looking for him. She might be like Costa Rican or Nicaraguan or Puerto Rican. Now. Who knows? Right. In the meantime, we have flashes of Arden slowly pulling the lipstick out, looking at the statue of the Virgin Mary in the main oh, hall. So what's creepy. he gonna do? What's he gonna do to her? We don't know. Um, He's going to give her a makeover. So all this is cut with Kit and his company kind of trying to sneak out. Um, they find, they like they notice that Lana's following, and they kind of get irritated with her because she's the one who gave him up last time. And she says, oh, no, I believe that you aren't that bloody face anymore. And Kit says, basically, Kit is nice to her and says she could come with him. Um, but there's an issue. Frank the guard is in the way to get out and so shelly says no worries i'll distract him and i'll meet up with you guys later I know, this is the first moment when i was like all right shelly you go girl like you're you're taking one for the team like <laughs> and i love that she's like just right about me like she just wants to be significant I she does her. what she has to you know she uses it as a tool so she basically goes out there grabs this guy who's like an orderly for the hospital she goes out there grabs his crotch and pretty much drags him into a room starts uh giving him a bj and Basically jumps up, pushes him against, pushes him back till he hits his head against like a brick wall, and knocks him out. <laughs> so that way she can sneak out. Right. right. So, so Chloe sacrificed. Whatever it takes, you know. Yeah. Whatever it takes, and she pays for it. I know. I, I feel uh, so bad because that, that was the first moment that I actually cared about this nymphomaniac girl. Otherwise, she was just like a two-dimensional character, or even one-dimensional character. And at this point, I'm like, oh, man, she, she's a person. She, I, I really cared about her a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you do come to care for her a little bit, even though clearly she's troubled. Yeah. Um, but she does take one for the team. And after this scene, you have three scenes interspersed together, all very dramatic. You have Jude sees what I can only guess is, I'm guessing it's an alien, some, like, weird skinned extra, like, creature she, like the lightning flashes there's a flash of light in the hallway in the room with all the um cells and she sees this creature and this is i thought it's I, that's what made me think it was an alien is because they said the thing about the, the you know i heard the thing on the radio about the spaceship landing right. that's what i assumed it was it was a very quick i don't know what, what, did you pick up anything on that no i didn't did you, did you saw the creature though right oh i saw the creature when that that, that I, I had no idea well i assumed it would be a an actual uh interaction with jude just because yeah. i mean we've already seen somewhat of an alien had i not seen an alien before or with kit's story had i not heard about that then i'd be like oh homegirl is hallucinating 
Absolutely. Well, and she was super drunk at this point in time. So, I mean, it's hard to tell exactly, but why else would she... Like, this seems somewhat out of nowhere, because it's not connected to her whole whole backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminded me of the alien scene with Sigourney Weaver and the alien face coming out and, like, meeting basically her face-to-face. And freaking yeah. out. I mean, it's yeah. Halloween, so I was feeling it. But <laughs> and so, yeah, exactly. And so, Sister Jude, that's like that's her major moment here. Then that's crazy, have... by the way. Can we talk about this for just a second? How crazy is it that she's a nun in in the Saint Asylum, dealing with exorcisms and monsters on the perimeter of the of of the facility? And she gets drunk, and she sees an alien. W T, mother f and f. <laughs> layers is all I can say. This show has layers and layers and layers and layers of monsters. Of monsters, uh, absolutely. There is as much creepy shit as you can possibly jam into a show. Anyway, bring it back. Sorry. So no, absolutely. I think that that's an important thing to. To point out, and speaking of creepy, we cut to Dr. Arden's scene where he has just put the lipstick on the statue of the Virgin Mary. He has given her nice rosy cheeks and put it on her lips and even drawn her some nice nipples on the front Yeah, that was so weird. That was so weird. I was like, what, why is, what, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? And then he flips out, smashes the statue to the ground, right. and calls the statue a whore over and over again. So... If we did not see Jude and Arden go crazy, I do not know what we just saw. Either his character is completely complicated, or he went completely out of character and is just getting so weird that I just don't get it. And I don't know if this is supposed to be symbolic of him, like, his whole dream of purity being shattered or something like that. Right, I'm curious. I mean... This may be him hitting the fan. I think that is quite possible for both of them. And this is all interspersed with Kit and Grace and Lana running through that secret tunnel out to the woods, only to be confronted by these crazy Rasper things that basically look like the zombies from Walking Dead, but crazy fast. Oh, I was going to say, they, they reminded me of the zombies from 28 Days Later. These zombies right. can yeah, run yeah. like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I'm, I do not know how they did not get caught there, considering that these things right. were running They were so running big. them left and right. But they think they're going to escape. They run into the woods only to be basically headed off by these crazy monsters that their flesh is rotting off and they're eating human skin and stuff like that. And so here's our first. I mean, it's like you can kind of only see glimpses of them through the lightning, but it's our first glimpse of these you know, flesh-eating creatures that have we've known about since the first episode. I forget though. Do do like I know you did some research on this. Do we know anything more about these about these raspers, like or, or who they are? In the like, it was hinted at that they are like Arden's experiments. That he is like basically gave them some um formula like a mixture of diseases that mutated them into these things um that's just kind of what the some of the preview stuff said i don't know too much of of the details but i think what we do know for sure is that they're arden's creatures for some reason he's developing something that creates these people and they're kind of his pets that he feels the need to feed and keep alive and stuff like that and they're from ex-patients because remember we talked about this in the first episode right patients are missing and it happens to be patients that have no family or anyone wondering where they are and so, they're former patients that he's basically mutating into some crazy flesh-eating beasts that live in the woods. Man, oh man. 
I definitely got the 28 Days Later vibe out of those guys because they, they looked like they were running so fast. Oh, I know. They were creepy as hell. And so they end up having to run back inside, back into the tunnel, and barely make it out alive. Right. In the meantime, uh, Threadson notices, because he was sitting next to Lana and she never returned, that uh, everyone is gone. Um, and there was a mass escape, so he runs and taps Eunice on the shoulder, who is very rapidly paying attention to the movie. And Eunice very was into that movie like any 17-year-old would be into porn. Well, she was very disappointed because they had she had to get up and go find Sister Jude right before the scene where they were about to eat the – did she say eat the Christians? I think the word eat was in there. Was I wrong about that? Uh, you know, I don't remember. I just remember – let me check. I wrote in my notes. Nope, I didn't write that down. But I definitely remember she was hating on Christians. <laughs> oh, and she was into it. So if anyone knows anything about this movie, please let me know. I'm going to try to look it up for next episode. Um but she's interrupted. She has to go find Sister Jude, who is passed out. And she looked like Tyler. She looked like you did in, in grad school. <laughs> Sister Jude. Oh, pass out, out. Pass out on the bed. I'm just kidding, listeners. I'm just kidding. Tyler was a stand-up guy. Grad school is a crazy time for everybody. So I, I yeah, I was Sister Jude. I also wore nun outfits on a regular basis. So that <laughs> that, I love that you just went with. Well, I was Sister Jude once or twice. <laughs> Tell her I've been Sister Jude about five or ten hundred times. Are you trying to tell us something? Are you, is there no. a little girl going to crawl out from under your bed sometime soon? Oh, Jesus. It's, it, uh, it's Halloween. Don't say that. <laughs> so she wakes up Jude. Jude busts in. Um, and basically we find out that Kit and Lana and... Grace all made it back in time. They're all soaking wet, but no one seems to notice because the Mexican yeah. woman is missing. Right. And, and so they're like three people are missing. And then the, and then she looks around and, and she sees everyone basically in their place, except for those three sopping wet patients. Yeah. But, but Jude is still kind of disheveled. She's upset the Mexican Jude's woman is drunk. missing. Jude's drunk. She's still drunk. And she basically pulls the movie rail out and says, there's never going to be another movie night. You're all going to pay and never have anything fun happen ever again. <laughs> You did the walk of shame to the movie theater. <laughs> exactly. And so that's what that ends there. Um, and then the big ending of the episode. Yes. We have Arden, who happens to stumble across Shelly, who is trying to find... Shelly's oh the infomaniac. She was trying so to slip disturbing. out. disturbing. Shelly was trying to creep out uh, and find the tunnel, but she accidentally runs into Arden, who Who's drags her back to his office. Off. Who drags her back to his office um, and decides he does want to have sex with her. And she says, this time she does not want it because um, obviously the, she's, she is not getting anything from it. And now it's just a power thing. He is he essentially point. says he's going to rape her and he kind of laughs at the idea of raping a nymphomaniac or whatever. But something happens. Now, I wasn't sure if he was a little too um, – got a little too excited too fast and that's what she was laughing at. Do you quite know no, what happened I, there? I'm pretty sure she's laughing at his wiener. Like, I think she saw, like, is either his wiener's, like, messed up or it's super small or something like that. But she, like... I Okay, I thought that he basically uh, let it go in his pants before he had a chance. And that's, oh, that's what I thought was, she was laughing was, at. Uh, yeah, he, he hit it too soon. No, I thought, that's, that's, I thought it looked weird or something. Or it was deformed ooh, or he oh. had a small one. Whatever ends up happening, she laughs at him and he is not happy about this. Beats her over the head with... Like something that knocks her out cold. Something. She wakes up. She's still alive. She's on a gurney. And he is wearing his lab coat. And 
is experimenting. He's doing some experimenting with her, and she's kind of woozy. She says, "Where am I?" And he says, "Well, you're never going to be able to run away again, basically." Yeah, she's like something about like walk out of here. And it's like, okay, I think I know what's about to happen. <laughs> he says something about like cutting her wings. Right. He takes yeah. the bed sheet once again, throwing us over the head. <laughs> right. Yeah. Throws it back, and he cut her legs off. Right. She has two stumps now, <laughs> which was gross and a very sad and awful way to end the episode. And I actually, they did a good job because I actually did feel bad for her. Because I had, if that had happened two episodes ago, I would not have cared. But with what she did, somewhat of the development from her in the past episode, I, I actually kind of cared about her enough that that hit a little bit into my heart. Yeah, and you know what? I I've come to care care about her too. I feel like she's just a misunderstood person in a, you know f- f- a too early a time period. We and... need to send her to Paris. Yeah, she just needs to go to Paris. Well, now she's gonna have to roll her way to Paris. <laughs> um, but that was the ending of the scene, you know, and so or the end of the sh- of of this episode, right? And so we know clearly that's going to be something that's continuing in the next episode. But before we talk about kind of our preview for the next episode, right? Overall impressions. I mean, last episode, I think you you gave three and a half rubber men. I gave Six three rubber half. men. That was our total, wasn't it? Because I gave oh, three, you gave three and oh, a half. You're right. You're right. That's what we do. Okay. And so, what do you think? Better or worse? How, the same? How do you think it compares to the last episode? It's kind of hard because I gauge... I, I have two categories on what I gauge on. One is storyline and how it develops and the narrative. And the other the other side that I want to gauge on is how scared I am. I mean, it's American Horror Story. I want to be scared a little bit. Right. Uh, so, this one I would give... I think I would give it three and a half again. Just because... I loved the way the development of certain characters came about. Right. But I also uh, I also appreciated that I was still somewhat scared with the the, the narrative of the th- our three characters that were trying to escape running into the Raspers in the forest. That that was on par for me with the exorcism that happened last episode. So I would give three and a half again. I would give three and a half again. What would you? There was definitely well. There's definitely a lot of creepy stuff that happened in this episode. I'm thinking raspers or when Sister Eunice plunges this, you know, the scissors into that girl's neck unexpectedly. Um, you know, but I feel like last episode I really liked mainly because just that whole thing with Arden and we learn about the pictures and everything that went. That was there. creepy, and, and the exorcism that was really creepy. And I probably gave it to. I'm I'm almost feeling like I gave that episode too low a score. I think that one deserved. I gave it a three, and I think that maybe deserved more of a three and a half or four. Because the more I thought about it over the week, the more I liked that episode. Me too. This episode, I would return. I would give it the same score as last week, so I would give this a three. A three. So, well, since I gave it the last episode a three, I guess I'm going to give this one a two and a half. Um, not to be like too difficult to score because I really did like this episode, but I just liked the last episode. I think a little bit better, and I want to have right. some sort of distinguishing factor. I think I think we know we need to like up our scores on these just because like we're, I feel like we're being a little too critical, but it's because we 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 know what we want, but we we love everything we're also seeing. Absolutely, and like I said, really enjoyed last week's episode. I enjoyed this one too. Um, so I guess that overall gives us. You said three and a half. I said two and a half. So that let's that would. I'm be... just trying to be consistent with last week. <laughs> right, right. No, I know exactly. So I mean, that, that's just our scale. So that's a six. 
out of 10, which I don't think is a bad score. No, um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so pretty good. So, um, now a quick preview for next episode. So we got 6 out of 10 Rubbermen. Yes, that's right. So... <laughs> That's how it. That's how it holds up. Um, next episode, we we know there's something about a new girl is going to be right. At All the of a sudden, we got a new inmate or new so. Patient. Yes. So we're bringing more people into the asylum. It'll only continue to get more interesting. I know we already have some people that are signed on for the show that we haven't seen yet. I'm talking Dylan McDermott. I'm talking the guy that played. Um, what was the like the uncle in Breaking Bad? The wheelchair from the like the oh, first oh, oh, two, season. Two, 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 no, oh shoot, Tuco's uncle. Tuco, or Tuco. Pop, yeah, yeah, two, yeah so so that guy's gonna be in it. Um, but we haven't seen them yet. But this is a girl, so we'll see what happens. Right, yeah, I think we have a little bit. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I'm just happy that we haven't gone into the serialized uh, episodes like CSI would or. Um, uh, Law and Order would where we just get a new character or a new patient every month or every episode and we just go through their episode and then our main characters are peripheral to that. I, I want, like, obviously it's a miniseries so we need to be involved with our main, you know, 10 characters through the whole series. That's who we exactly. need to be with. Right, it does kind of seem like we're focusing on these main characters, and then we have the peripheral. The peripheral characters are playing a role in their development, but we certainly have our main characters. We have our Jude and our Arden. Didn't see as much from Kit this episode, but it looks like in the preview we're going to learn a little bit more about him. He's starting to question his sanity in the upcoming episodes. Right. We're still talking about Arden possibly being some sort of war criminal. What his background is is going to be, continue to become more clear, and he's going to continue to experiment on on Shelley. As we learn more about her, um, I wrote down, is he going to turn her into a rasper now? I don't know. Oh, shit. Maybe she's going to be hobbling around on her stumps in the woods. I still think that she's going to die, or I still think she's going to die sometime. I think she'll soon. die, too. I think she'll die, too. Um, but we're going like to care about her now, because she can't walk, you know? Up until that point, we're going to have compassion for her. Um and we'll see what happens there, but I'm excited. I thought this, I mean, our characters continue to develop. This is a very fast-moving story. The writers pack a whole lot into every episode, which is really impressive. Right. Um, and I'm just excited to, to see where season continues to, to continue, who's continues your favorite, to go. Who's your favorite character right now? Who is my favorite character? Oh, you're. this is going to sound awful, actually. I kind of think Arden is the most compelling character because he's what? so okay. And favorite is, a, is not a good term right now. Okay, I think that he's the most intriguing because I don't know what his background is, but he has that weird, creepy fetish. I think he's the creepiest character for me right now. And at one minute he's in you control, are such a horror freak really... because you love the scary guy. I love that. I love that man. I I don't know. I find him the most. I don't know. I I want to learn more about his story. I mean, I still like. I still like Kit because I think he's kind of our, you know, our, our, our boy. typical hero. Yeah. But I think Arden is the most interesting character that is so freaky that I want to continue to learn more about. How about you? Uh, I still, I, I think, I, I really like Lana or Lana a lot. Oh, I still think she's a huge bitch for what she did last episode. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I don't know. I just think we relate to her. We should relate to her more because she's a journalist and that's what we are. And... I don't know. I, I really think that's 
What about Threadson? We talked about him being that. Our, that our was stalwart. the second person I was going to mention. Actually, like I like him a lot so far. He is like it's such a such a different character, and Zachary Quinto or Quinto is killing it with that. Just because he's like it's the nice normal guy. He is the voice of the writers, basically being like saying like this is ridiculous. What are you people doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I I really like that. I'm at the point with him though where I need to learn more. I want oh, to know yeah. more about what his, his his background is because um, now we've had. I mean, he was introduced last episode. We've had a second episode where he's kind of saying somewhat similar stuff. Plays a little bit of a, a kind of a exposition role as far as Lana's story goes. But I want to know more now about his background. It clear, I mean, he's the first name in the credits, so he's continue, going to continue to have a big He'll be role. a big player for sure. Yeah, yeah, and so anyway, anyway. I am totally excited for that. Um, but I think that's that's about all we have for this episode. So, what are you looking forward well, to next episode? Just Arden's story, man. I want to learn more. Why is he a war criminal? What's I going know, on? It's crazy. I want to be scared more, though. I still want to be scared more, even though it's. Halloween. I do too. I thought, yeah, and we had talked about this. I thought this was going to be there was going to be more of that in this episode, less exposition, more creepy stuff. But there was still a hell of a lot of exposition. They, the writers just have so much to say. Right, so. they're doing much more of a narrative storyline, which as journalists we appreciate. Yeah, but I would like to see more. But scary. I want to be absolutely. It's Halloween. Come on, <laughs> absolutely. Um, anyway, so until next week, thank you for joining us. This is awesome. We enjoy doing it. Um, and we will be here to give you a review with next week's episode. Um, as always, you can email us with comments or questions at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. You can like our Facebook page at This American Horror Story Podcast. Or um, you can, and always, as always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Please uh, look us up, uh, give us reviews. Um, let us know yeah, what we're and- doing wrong or right, and let us know what you want us to talk about. Absolutely. And you can always find us also online at This American Horror Story. Dot com. Um, once again, I am Tyler Moss. You can follow me at, at TJMoss11 on Twitter. And, and we've got... <laughs> I'm Chris Husted. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Chris Husted. That's at with a K-R-I-S-H-U-S-T-E-D. Okay, and let's end this episode by raising our classes to the end of Adam Levine. It was short. Uh, it was a short run. I don't know if we can say we enjoyed it, but we um, appreciated the shot you gave it. It was certainly sexually charged you do you do cheers pour pour one out for you bro <laughs> cheers to you.